Roll corn, sir. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I just want to start off right off the bat. I want to apologize to our viewers. Last episode, I had to check out to go to the washroom, and I was gone for a little while. I just want to say it's tough because it takes about five minutes just to wrestle that fat hog out of my jeans. <laughs> I'm being serious, Randy. It takes at least five minutes just to wrestle that fat hog out of my jeans, let alone to drain that big-ass beaker. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum, but please bear with me. Well, Randy, we're adults. You don't have to laugh about going to your washroom. We're adults. It's natural. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful part of life. It's nature. How was it sitting in Daddy's chair? It seemed a little small. <coughs> Sometime I'd like you to sit in that chair while I'm still in it. That's that's great. How would you like that? That's, How would you like to do this I interview? That's for, I think that's for a different type of podcast, Ryan. <laughs> How would you like to do that interview? What, what would Ben say if he... Both of us start the sketch and he comes in and you're on my lap. And I'm just comfortably with my hands on your on your lap and we go like that. Do I'm you think he'll go with it or do you think he'd say something? Pretty sure that Skype call ends quickly. 2017, he might be like, I gotta go with this because I don't want to look like a bigot and act like I'm not gay. He might that's when you test. That's what we test. Did you vote Trump? I have a feeling he cuts out and calls back thinking he got the wrong fucking thing. <laughs> what kind of lift is this? Or he sure as hell was hoping. Okay, so he's good to go. Where's that piece of shit dog away? She, she rustles right on cue, doesn't she? Yeah. Oh. Surprised that fatty can lift itself. Oh, she's such a sweet little thing. It's like oh. watching a sausage walk around with toothpicks. Aren't God's children just lovely? My dog. Oh, just lovely. Just lovely. You know what? He's got some. He sent a separate email of pictures. Some of them shirtless. I'm gonna. I know you're gonna want those, so I'm gonna send those as well. Okay. Just be professional. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> you see me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's it going? Not bad. Ben, looks like you got to update your profile picture, sir. Who's that young man in your profile picture? Oh, shoot. That's <laughs> a long time ago. Another life, man. Is that your son? I'm sorry. <laughs> is that, uh, is that, uh, <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, thanks for having on. We just got to, I'm going to set this up here. Are we already full screen, Randy? No, go. That's full screen there. Joe Banga, there you are. So it might look a little weird. Um, can you see my full face? Because I can't. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry. Um, so, <laughs> so you see me. You don't see Randy. So if you hear somebody um, throwing in questions, that's Randy. And everybody else sees us all. We got uh, we got studio lights in here now. So this bad boy is going to be well lit. This is the first day for studio lights. That's special. Nice. Nice, that's right. We're breaking out the big guns for you, buddy. So we I do not have studio lighting. <laughs> Natural lighting, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice, buddy, nice. So we uh you know what we got your um like questionnaire back for the website and you got yeah. some flipping good answers in there. Um you're well articulated, uh and you got some good stories as well. So we're we're gonna hit up on some of those. But I think we'll start um, with a bit of introduction, like the good thing about this is anybody who's watching, we post um, the shit out of you. So most people already know who you are. So yeah. especially the people that are watching. But just a quick break, you know, kind of recap on uh, some of the titles you won for anybody who might not know who's living in a cave under a rock somewhere. Um, so my biggest win um, this past year was at Boss of Bosses. That was in uh, August. August, yeah, Boss Bosses 3, that was in California. Then I won the Texas State meet earlier that uh, for the USPA in April. Um, and I did another local, um, just in Austin from USPF. Um, so kind of all over in terms of federations. Um, yeah. But yeah, 2016 was a good year for me. Um, I'm hoping 2017 is too. 
2015, I uh, came in second at USAPL Raw Nationals, mm-hmm. and that was my first meet that I'd done in about two years. So, and that, um, you came in second. Was who'd you come in second to? Was it Hack? Uh, yes, yeah. And you guys are going to face off again at the U.S. Open, no? Right? Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. The U.S. Open the is rematch. A big one for uh, a big one. Probably the only big one, and there's. Man, there's a lot of big names out there. I'm just excited to, you know, be going back back out to California, San Diego. Haven't been there in a while, so that'll yeah. be fun. Um, a lot of big names. I got a lot of friends going. Um, you know, I want to mention Rob Paul. I'm really hoping he uh, he makes some noise in the uh, the 308. So I'm, I'm excited. It's gonna be a good. good and, weekend. Uh, so you touch up on boss of bosses. Um, am I right? You won the best lifter. Uh, yeah, first sleeves. And that is freaking huge because Boss of Bosses is where the beast. That's really the lion's den. That's the lion, Dan Green, inviting the other lions in. I mean, that's a crazy meet to win a uh, best lifter. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was it was really cool because I had lived in California for a year before uh, before Dan, Dan opened his gym there. Um, and so it was cool to come back. Um, and honestly, like, I live right down the street from where that uh, from where the meet took place. So it was, it was cool. And so when you when you live uh, when you're in California and Cali, were you? I just read though. Oh, this is somewhat to do with powerlifting, but kind of intrigued. You worked at Google. Yeah. So I uh, my undergrad degree was in finance, and so I worked um, in financial risk analysis for a couple years at Freddie Mac, and then uh, got a job at Google doing the same thing, and moved out there to uh, do it. And I mean, you know, Google was great and all, but financial risk analysis, man. <laughs> I bet you that gets all the girls all, all hot and bothered when you bring that up. <laughs> but, but the money was probably good. The money was, oh, man. I, I don't like to think about it now that I'm a grad student. But I don't even, <laughs> That's right. Not even to think about it. It's bought out of the bridge. Is, it, exactly. is, is rumors true about Google? Like, are the hours and days crazy long? I mean, yes, but at the same time, like, the, the my... Like, even my fucking desk at Google was so much nicer than anything I had um, at home that, like, you didn't really want to leave. Like, the food was better. Like, there was more stuff to do. They had more video games. So, like, there was no real desire to leave, so you just stay all day. Um, You know, they get get the most out of you. What? (laughs) So they get the most? Yeah, no Well, they they have, like, sleep pods and stuff where you guys can nap and everything. Like, it's crazy there. I'm a fan of um, the Fighter and the Kid podcast. With uh, and um, they were talking about Google, and they said, yeah, exactly that. But there are some people, I guess Google, like some people get super duper stressed out because uh, the days are long. It depends how long you're there, I guess, right? But um, it's it's definitely uh, for the single life, it's probably a little easier than the married life. I would that's imagine. what it is, one hundred percent. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and almost everybody there is super young, so I mean, I'm sure you know. Once you get older, have a family and stuff, you probably move on. You got to do your thing, yeah. So how did you, were you powerlifting at the time? Uh, no, 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 not at all, actually. I was, um, I had started kind of dabbling in strongman um, before I moved out there, just the year before. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at my, like, second contest or something, I, I tore my bicep. Actually, training for the second contest. I was just being stupid. I was trying to flip tires that I had no business trying to flip. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was mostly rehabbing when I was out there, and I trained at a powerlifting gym. I trained at Wild Iron in uh, Santa Clara, but yeah. I was still trying to do strongman stuff. Um, and you know, I'm I'm too small for strongman. I'm not you know good enough at the overhead stuff, so it, it just wasn't wasn't a good fit. But so how when did you start getting into lifting weights? Oh, I started lifting when I was in uh, high school, freshman in high school for uh, wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, after wrestling practice, we would have uh, time for the team to lift, and that's how I kind of got into it. Um, but, but I mean, I was better at uh, better at lifting than I was at wrestling because I weighed. <laughs> shoot, I wrestled one of three my first two years, so I was tiny. Um, Holy but, smokes, what old three? Yeah, you could probably was, arm curl that for a set of ten right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, but they they had nobody else in the one of three class, so I wrestled varsity from day one and. Oh you know, shit! That's that's insensitive. That's insensitive to cut the one hundred three. Yeah, so it was it was uh, wrestling was tough, but uh, I really liked the lifting part, and so it just kind of stuck with that after. Gotcha. And then um, you started competing um, about five years ago. Twenty. Yeah, my first, my first real meet was uh, 
Um, a local one in November 2012 that I just did with some friends from the gym. And, you know, it went well. I kind of um, – I really enjoyed it. Um, didn't really hit my goals. I think I wanted to hit like a 600 deadlift or something like that. Um, but I did uh, – I did <laughs> – the year after that and did better than I expected and then kind of really got into it and started getting more serious. So. Was there anyone that got you into the sport? Like, was there anyone that kind of made you want to start Yeah, how'd you do that? How'd you get, find powerlifting and make that transition? Uh, from strongman to powerlifting? When I moved to Austin, um, one of my good friends from back home was visiting um, because Raw Nationals that year was in Colleen. It was like the second weekend and I had no, I didn't know what Raw Nationals was. Mm -hmm. I you know, had totally out of touch with powerlifting. Um, but she put me in touch with, um, Jacob Cloud, who's been coaching me since. And he was like, look, man, you can go really far in this sport if you want to. He's like, just kind of trying to nudge me away from strongman where, you know, it didn't really have, didn't really have much of a future. You're not gonna, as a under 175 strongman, they don't get much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was, he was really the one that, that got me to, to make that switch. And did you start like in, in terms of initially, so you do your own programming now, did you always? Do you own programming? Um, no, Jacob did mine for uh, quite a while. Um, and then after that, you know, um, he's recently had a child and I've, um, you know, gotten more into my studies, like actually trying at school and stuff. And so um, we just kind of gradually transitioned. And so we still, um, you know, work out a lot together and keep in touch. But I've been doing most of my own programming for a couple of years now. And what kind of style of programming do you do? You do RPE, especially when you're you're doing your own, or do you do a percentage based? Or um, I like to. So first of all, I before I started lifting, even when I was doing strongman, I was very much like low volume. Like I would do one set all out, and that'd be it. Um, and so when I came to powerlifting, that was you know kind of had to adjust to training with more volume, so you don't kill yourself all the time. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of like my background. I'm kind of biased towards low volume, but I do prefer to have kind of a percentage in mind so that I know roughly what uh, weights I should be working with, and then I'll use kind of my RPE on top of that to make um, smaller, more nuanced adjustments during the actual workout. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you use a percentage, but if it feels a little heavy, you could back off, feels a little light, you could add on to it type deal. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. And do you do a lot of um, partial work in terms of whether squat, bench, dead, or just for specific lifts? Um, I do some partial work for bench press. Um, you know, board press has really helped me. My problem is that I need the one-and-a-half board to really hit hit that spot for me. And, you know, most gyms don't have a one-and-a-half board hanging around. So <laughs> uh, I've been, like, duct-taping newspapers to the boards and stuff. But, <laughs> no for deadlifts, I don't really like partial stuff. I feel like I have a difficult time getting in the right position, even if I'm doing block pulls, but like definitely rack pulls. So if I'm trying to do something like that, I'll just do a reverse band, um, you know, for the overload. Um, and yeah, for squat, I've never really tried uh, um, partial work. I think some people like it. I think I would definitely, you know, benefit from heavy walkouts even. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of work on that core strength, but haven't incorporated a lot of it. And you do a lot of beltless work, I noticed. Yeah, I, so the beltless work started out because I thought my core was weak, which it was, um, and I felt like I needed to improve that, um, and that I would still get the same amount out of my belt that I used to. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely benefited from the extra core work from doing all the beltless stuff, but now I just get less out of my belt. So it didn't really improve my yeah. top end strength all that much. Um, and I'll, I'll just be straight up honest, like the beltless stuff gets a lot more love on Instagram than Bill, any, I was gonna yeah. say, You also do a lot of shirtless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, if I look like you, if I look like you, I go to the grocery store shirtless, man. I mean, shit, you're bodied up. Right, good, good on you. So do you uh, do you do do you wear a belt for like bench or like a like how often do you wear your belt? I don't wear my belt for bench. I used to um, up until a few months ago, and then you know I just kind of realized that it wasn't helping all that much. Um, and now I actually feel like it kind of takes away from my ability to get my upper body in the, the position that I want. Mm -hmm. uh, I've started wearing the belt even from set one so that I can get more practice with um, the bracing with the belt. It's just a little bit different than bracing yeah. without a belt. Mm -hmm. And I feel like just wearing that for every set seems to help me ingrain that a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, then I'll throw in some beltless stuff after so that I can keep you know that core strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
one of the things I found interesting in the in the interview questions is is when we asked um, an interesting fact that most people won't know didn't know about you. Do you remember your reply for that one? Nope, not at all. Three testicles. That's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> that caught my attention. This is a man right about, here. About being a doctoral student. Oh yeah. Um, um, so when I left Google, it was to start a PhD program at uh, the University of Texas. So I was just, you know, I wasn't really liking the financial risk analysis, wasn't doing it for me. So I was just looking at, you know, programs that I could go back to school that looked like they would be something that interests me. And I found my advisor's biography. Um, my advisor's Jan Todd. She was one of the very first female powerlifters. She was, uh, she's in, she was in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's strongest woman. Has all these titles. She wa- She runs the Arnold um, Pro Strongman Show um, with her husband Terry. So I just sent her an email, um, kind of explaining who I was, why I was interested in the program, and she really, you know, she's pushed me since day one to just kind of um, put myself out there um, to. Um, first of all, join the program, and then to continue both competing and to to push the academic angle as well. And I feel like I've really benefited um, from having both of kind of those viewpoints. Um, and you know, being around kinesiology students all the time, um, even though my program has nothing to do with kinesiology, really, is in you know terms of uh, um, exercise science or anything like that. Being around those types of people, they can give you that great feedback and have you know more knowledge of anatomy and physiology and all that stuff yeah, is yeah. really. So you think that's kind of a, a bit of your secret weapon in terms of designing your own programs? I, I don't know if I would call it a secret weapon, but it's definitely helped me as an individual to kind of um, grow and have more o- open mind when it comes to training and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So what's some of the th- advices you would give in terms of perfecting, like in, your favorite lift um, is a deadlift, right? Yeah, definitely. If, uh, what would be some of the advice you would give? I mean, uh, we had asked you as well in the survey, for people who want to improve their deadlift, I know anyone watching, um, often they want some tips. Uh, what's some tips you would give? So first of all, I want to say I'm probably the one of the worst people to ask about improving the deadlift because it comes really naturally to me, right? Mm. So I don't kind of think about it that much. That's a good so intro. You're probably better off finding somebody who struggled with their deadlift and improved it a lot. But that said... Um, the biggest things for me, first of all, was improving my technique um, and not just you know using the lower back to get it off the floor. And that's really easy because if you do that, you let yourself get in that position. The weights feel real light off the floor, and then you're like, oh shoot, I can do a lot more. Yeah. You hit that sticking point, you, you just can't muscle through it. So improving my technique really helped there, and then incorporating sumo into my programs um, has really helped because I feel like even though my strength and sumo and conventional is pretty similar. Sumo is a lot easier to recover from, and they're both kind of subtly different, right? The conventional puts a little bit more emphasis on low back. Sumo is going to put a little bit more emphasis on the glutes and hamstrings, and so when you do both, um, they can kind of complement each other really well. Um, so those were the two biggest things that have that well, have really helped. Why do you feel like what are some, for anyone who's trying to choose between sumo and conventional? Because um, you could do both, and actually switch hitting, so to speak, is isn't overly common in powerlifting. I know for myself, um, my sumo, like I got small legs genetically. I'm that dude, like um, any guys with like small calves and hate guys with big calves. I'm that, I'm that dude, like my legs are small, my sumo is terrible. I think my girl will outlift me sumo, big time conventional lifter. Like, is it, would it be worth my while to still pull sumo regardless? I think you could put it in as kind of like a super light accessory. I mean, personally, I always try to use um, accessories all either have accessories that I'm doing super heavy or super light. I don't really like kind of those mid-range ones. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it would be a great light accessory that's not really going to eat into your recovery at all because you're not pulling that much, but it's still going to force you to use those other muscles that maybe you're not recruiting to their maximum on your conventional pull. Mm-hmm. And why do you feel it is that you can pull both so so closely? Is it like is there like a, a levers in terms of your body that accommodate like that? Um, yeah, I think if, if you have the right body type for pulling, you're probably going to be good at both. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you can look at uh, Yuri Belkin, who in my opinion is the best lifter out there right now. Yeah. Obviously, his mm-hmm. sumo's ahead, but he has a ridiculous conventional pull too. So I think that's pretty pretty ty- typical of people who are, who are built for it. We were looking for three testicles was the answer. But, ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that helps with the first lift stuff. So in terms of what is one of the lifts that you did struggle with and that you made some breakthroughs with? 
So I'm struggling with both the squat and the bench. I wouldn't say that I've made any breakthroughs in the bench, but for the squat, learning to brace properly really made a huge difference for me mm. because didn't feel like I was fighting my body as much because um, I'm you know lower back dominant, so I tend to sit back a lot in the squat. Yeah. If you're do that and you're not bracing properly, it's really really hard to stand up from that that uh, position where you've got a lot of forward lean. And so um, learning to brace made just incredible difference in that in, that in terms of bracing uh, what did you do in terms of bracing was that the breathing and the bracing of the abs or yeah so there's a couple of videos out there that are really great i think chad wesley smith has a great one has my favorite one about breathing and bracing um and chris Duffin has a good one too but i actually had a friend um dominic Moraes, who's a um fellow doctoral student he actually graduated he's now a professor at trinity university in san antonio but he um had me do just an exercise where kind of in the quadruped quadruped position, mm -hmm. um, pushing a Swiss ball against the wall with your butt and putting yourself in that position will almost naturally force you to keep um, uh, a tight neutral thoracic spine and also keep your uh, your lower core brace as well. And so once you get that position, um, once you can feel that position, for me, it's pretty easy to translate into other movements. So you, okay, so you put like a, like a BOSU ball, like one of those bad boys? You yeah. Mean? And you put it against the wall, put your yep. butt against it, and the way you maintain it against the wall is how you should be kind of in the squat? Yes. Is that what yeah. yeah. Oh, no shit. I didn't even try it that. That's something I might think about. Huh. And in terms of the, the bench press, any uh, any kind of tips in terms of the bracing and setup with that? You know, I haven't really figured out how to really engage my abs properly on bench. I've been trying a lot of different things. Um, the big ones that seem have seemed to help me is instead of trying to just arch, right, which is the usual cue, just arch your back. Yeah. To me, that ends up doing a lot of lower back arching, which isn't isn't helping at all. Yeah. Trying to arch my thoracic spine, in contrast, that's what really pushes your chest up and yeah. turns range. Um, and so that's been the biggest biggest um, or most helpful thing in that regard. You know what? I mean, it's funny you say it because like how often um, I feel it too where you're in a competition and you bench and holy smokes is my lower back sometimes tighten right the hell yeah. up. You got a deadlift next and I'm like, man, I don't know if it's just like I'm not arching properly or I don't know if like if you got a long back, it's more difficult, obviously different levers, but um, do you find, so so do you think maybe wearing a belt will help or do you think if, it, if the arch isn't on, it's just not on? Um, I haven't found a belt help. I've actually heard that if you get a bench belt, you know, that's a little bit thinner, it can help. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You still get some of the sport, but it doesn't affect your flexibility. Um, but personally, you know, I, I haven't noticed a difference one way or the other. Belt doesn't seem to take away a whole lot, um, but also doesn't seem to add much. So what kind of rep ranges do you work with when you're in training? If, if we were to look kind of like a, a bigger scope, maybe even in phases, if you don't mind. I don't know how many secrets you want to give, but... Um, Terms of like the volume phase, you taper it down, and as you get closer to a meet towards the deload. So um, usually I'll only do high reps, like over six reps, if I'm coming off a meet or taking a break, like in a deload or something. That's when I feel like those can be more helpful um, to me. Um, I spent a long time before I started powerlifting sticking to the super high rep ranges between 10 and 20 and really didn't gain much strength from those. Um, and so I don't know if it's just that I kind of exhausted that potential then or or what, but I haven't noticed a lot of benefits from higher rep training. Mm -hmm. So the vast majority of my training is in between two to six rep ranges. I don't like doing singles. Um, I know like Mike T and some other guys like um, uh, like light singles where you're kind of in the RP8 range. Yeah. I've never actually tried those, tried implementing those, but I think if you're doing singles where you have the risk of missing, that's kind of kind of questionable. For your mind, mentally, you know, go. is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I try and stick to the two to six rep range, and within that rep range, I'll fluctuate. Um, fluctuate is not the right word. I'll just choose different rep ranges based on how I feel that day. Mm -hmm. I think the more important thing is the total number, total volume that you're getting, so the number of sets um, times the number of reps um, with the given weight. So if I'm doing, for me, doing two sets of six is, or doing one set of six is just about as demanding as doing two sets of three if they're relatively equally heavy. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, did that kind of answer your question? Yeah, no, I don't. I, yeah, for sure it does. Yeah, and how do you decide your rep ranges? Um, like ahead of time or that day? Do you or? Um, what's worked best for me is kind of a cyclical approach where you're using um, going in three week blocks and then um, going through sets of fives, and then I like to do twos the next week and threes the last week, um, and that seems to work really well for me. Um, 
usually I'll do two blocks of that and then a deload, maybe three blocks. Then I, I totally base my deloads on feel. Yeah, I don't yeah. like having deloads at all. So um, that's so, kind of the. Do, do you deload? So you deload maybe, like, how often would you put in a deload? Is it kind of like every three, four weeks or? It really depends on how I'm feeling. So right now, I just started US Open prep a couple weeks ago. I'm already feeling run down. It's only been three weeks. Oh, so shit. I'm going to take a deload so that I have another three weeks before I have to deload for the meet. Yeah. Um, that's you know pretty unusual for me. I would say typically it's every six to eight weeks I feel like I need one. Um, but I'm also typically not pushing it over 90% um, every day. So Yeah. And do you feel a little bit of pressure with this being US Open to push it a little harder? It's always a little bit of pressure because um, it's a bigger stage and more people are watching, more people pay attention. Yeah. Um, so from that aspect, absolutely. Um, in terms of the the U.S. Open, the people are going to be there. Um, you know, I like competition. Um, I really like competition, actually, the adrenaline rush and all that stuff. And so um, I try to be mindful of that and be like, look, you got to train the way that's going to be productive for you, not train because you're uh, thinking about your competition yeah. or thinking of how good you want to look on stage or any of that stuff. So um, I won't lie. Sometimes it'll be, you know, because we talked about how if I'm feeling good, I'll, I'll up the weights a little bit on a train day. I definitely do that sometimes, but I try I try to avoid it. And walking into this, I mean, this is me and Randy talk about, this is like, like the Super Bowl of powerlifting in terms of like, we've never seen 40K on the table before in powerlifting. And that's a game changer. I mean, 40K uh, right now, how much would 40K impact your life? So walking into the, yeah, you know, like anybody. So walking nice. into this, A, me and Randy love asking this question for, we asked John Hack as well. Who's going to be handling you? And holy smokes, the type of flipping pressure it is in terms of your attempts. Like literally handling when 40K is on the table. I, I, if, if like, like, let's just say, if someone asked me to handle them and there's 40K on the table, I'd be like, A, holy flipping, that's a lot of, of pressure, right? To pick it right. B, if you win and I handled you to that shit, maybe 5K my way. Right? <laughs> it's going to be, you know what I mean? Like, handling is starting to become, Randy used this analogy, when there's money involved like this, a good handler could end up being like a caddy on a golf course. If he actually could pull you back a little, keep his eye on the price, because some lifters, I mean, here's a, I'm throwing a lot of questions all at once, so maybe we could review my questions here, but do you view um, where you're at in the rankings or do you like your handler just to take over? And how are you going to approach the U.S. Open if that's the case? And there's 40K, are you going to be like, I want to be more hands-on with my handling? Or are you like, hey, fuck, you take the wheel and drive, but that's putting a lot of pressure on somebody else. So Jacob's going to be handling, handling me. Um, like I mentioned, uh, I talked about Jacob earlier. Um, so, you know, he's been training with me since day one. He knows... He probably has a better idea of what I'm capable of on a given day than I do. So he's going to be, we're going to talk about this stuff ahead of time before we even go out to California. You know, what we're thinking, um, what numbers we'd like to hit, what we think I'm capable of on a bad day, on a good day. Um, but then day of, he's going to be 100% in charge. I'll sign all the slips before, um, you know, before I take any of the temps and he'll just call them. All. Um, and I won't even have to think about it, which is much how I prefer it. Yeah. Um, so, do but, you even look at? Do you even look at? Sorry, Randy. I, go. I was gonna say, but that, that's kind of key though, because you see, some people are gonna go in handling with handlers that don't know them, and like you said, you have somebody that's been there since day one, and they probably do know you better. Yeah. I mean, even if you come out and say, "I don't feel it today," they're gonna look at you and say, "That's moving quick." You, you, you feel it today. Yeah. You're, you're going. Exactly. You may be getting squashed out there, but you're you're hammering numbers. Like, yeah. or you you could be overshooting it, and they're there to say, you know what? No, you don't have Easy, it. Easy, young today, man. Like, yeah. Like. Uh, yeah, that's 100% right. So will you keep attention in terms of, A, where you're at in the rankings, and, um, and B, what will be on the bar? Or are you just like, I want to turn the blinders and not even know? Because some people, to amp themselves up, want to know what's on the bar at least. Or are you going to be like, dude, don't even tell me? Um, you know, I'm not sure if I want to know what's on my bar, but I won't pay attention to anybody else till deadlift. Um, once it's deadlift, you know, because I feel really confident in that lift, then I kind of like that for the adrenaline rush, knowing what I have to hit, knowing that, you know, I feel confident that I can't hit it. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for squat and bench, it'll it'll just be blinders to everybody else. I'll probably want to know what my third attempt is um, ahead of time, um, mm -hmm. so I can kind of you know get my mindset for that. But that's about it. That's yeah. a crazy amount of trust with 40k on the table, and that's going to be a really uncomfortable car ride back if he missed 
Attempted. <laughs> You're like, dude, um, what are you thinking? Uh, uh, and um, you mentioned it would be a lot of pressure for somebody, you know, calling the attempts. Shoot, man, it'd be a lot more pressure if I had to worry about my own attempts. This is you know, true. A lot of pressure on myself to make lifts. So this is true. So has he had that conversation with you about the 40k? And you're like, hey, shit, man, I don't like. Is he is he totally cool taking that kind of pressure on? That's a big. Uh, ass. I'd be nervous as shit. No, that was as soon as you know Gracie started talking about the U.S. Open. He's like, "Hey, we're gonna do this. I'm gonna handle you." I was like, "Okay." And when you get that 40k check, is he gonna be like, you know, what's what's going well, on? Well, I feel like we we split boss to boss is 50 50. So okay. Uh, oh, 50 50s, 20k uh, though, Ben. Well, yeah. So we haven't talked about the 40. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, talk about it first, we'll, man. We'll do that. Yeah, we'll do that before. Uh, before you might have to lawyer up for that talk, man. It's getting real. <laughs> it's getting real money now. So is it? Um, it's kind of exciting. To look at powerlifting moving in this direction. But uh, the, the, do you think there's going to be more cash prizes uh, in the USAPA? There is or USPA. There is more cash prizes, correct? USPA definitely has more cash prices. Even locals, you can you know win a grand or, or more, um, which is great. Yeah, um, no kidding, yeah. And I would like, I would love it if there was more money in powerlifting. I think it would be uh, a good thing for the sport because people are already pushing themselves to extremes. You can't really use that as a way that, as an argument that money is not good, a good thing for the sport. It's just going to get more exposure. Yeah. Um, and I think when you look at strongman, which has a lot of money in a lot of those competitions, it's it's. Um, those people seem to get a lot more recognition than, than some of the top power. You know, it's funny you brought up Strongman, uh, nothing me and Randy were talking about. Is like, so initially, people would ask, like, Eddie Hall, for instance, um, like, why don't you try powerlifting, break this record, that record, whatever, and he'd be like, look, there's no money in powerlifting. I'm on tour with Strongman. But 40K US, and I emphasize US, we're in Canada, so 40K US is like a million dollars Canadian. I don't know if you know the number. <laughs> um, but... Um, 40k US, you're gonna have like you could potentially have some big name dudes. Like if you're if you're Brian Shaw and you're in the US, he's already in the US. Why wouldn't he just take a little trip down to California, grab 40k? Absolutely, because um, I mean, I don't remember the exact breakdown of the prizes of Arnold, but I, I'm thinking that it was in the range of one 100, 150 for winning the Arnold. Um, but there's only one Arnold a year, and yeah. so if you all these powerlifting meets that you could drop in on too, yeah, I sure would. Biggest, and that's and, and Arnold is like there's the world's strongest man, and then there's the Arnold Classic. So if if like one or second biggest is 150k, 40k is nothing to scoff at for these guys. Well, we talked we talked about it before. I I truly believe if you start seeing a lot more money prizes, you're going to see a lot more athletes coming out of the woodwork. Absolutely. Like you got yeah. you got football players that didn't make it to the NFL. Yeah, 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 you, yeah, got, yeah. you got a lot of people that... Who never would have thought about it. I mean, these, yep. these NFL players, guarantee you they're on strength programs, squatting and deadlifting every damn day, but they make a lot more money, so they'll never step into a meet and risk it. But yeah. some of these guys, these college guys that didn't make it, you might see some big boys coming out of the there, woodwork. There's some freak athletes. <laughs> well, here's here's one thing with... Um, and you'll know because you started in 2012. So once... Um, I think once there was a lot more raw around 2013 range the sport boom boom goes the dynamite and the talent pool has exploded like there was not to take away anything from people competing in like the 90s early 2000s or whatever but um it wasn't nearly the same we'd show up you show up at a competition there might be a guy in your weight class or might not even at a national level um, there's bigger population in the u.s but the, the amount of depth in terms of talent wasn't there but now it's it's like uh, everywhere. Everywhere there's like you go to a gym. There's a time when you go to the gym, people don't even know what powerlifting is. Now you go to a gym, there's at least a couple powerlifters in the room, right? So that's only going to yep. increase. Um, and so I'm going to plug my plug myself real quick. Yeah. Um, talking about my uh, my schoolwork. Um, me, my advisor Jan Todd and Dominic Morris, who I've already you know mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, we wrote a academic paper about that that was published last year. Um, that's called Shifting Gear. So, um, you know, if anybody's interested, they can Google my name and that Shifting Gear, and you can you can read it. It's a little bit dry because it is academic, but uh, you know, if you're really interested in the topic, it gives a it gives a nice historical pers perspective on how that happened. In terms of shifting gear, in terms of uh, would that be about athletes shifting from one sport to another? No, from going from uh, from equipped to raw or vice versa. Oh, I, I I like to play on words, sir. Nicely played. Yeah. <laughs> Shifting that gear. That wasn't me, but... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, I got you. Okay. 
In a, yeah, so I mean, um, we've seen that kind of explosion. Where do you see really the sport going? Do you think it's going to continue, especially with cap pri cash prizes like this? Or do you think it's a possibility people are going to look back and this will be the golden era when we have 40K in the table, um, all this kind of talent? It really feels like this is, in terms of the biggest time for um, like amount of quality coaches, amount of quality athletes, is this bad boy going to keep growing, or are we now in the biggest this bubble's going to get? You know, it's really hard to say because um, 40K, as far as I know, that's the biggest prize, or I guess the total is 170 or something. That's the most prize money that's ever been offered in yeah. a contest, as far as I know. But when you're talking Golden Age, if you look back at like the, the 80s, I think, um, you had meets that were sponsored by Budweiser, meets that were broadcast on you know major networks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Announcers, like... Um, and so it's hard to say that you know we're already in a in another golden age. Um, and so yeah, I don't really know the answer to the question. Um, I think that raw, like you said, has definitely helped. Mm -hmm. um, and some people say that you know it's just going to continue to grow. Other people say that once these raw lifters start to dabble and equip, there'll be more going over there. I don't really know, um, to be honest. I'm kind of excited either way. I think that the sport seems to be getting bigger, and that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to see that continue, um, mm -hmm. but. You know, doing all this history stuff, it makes it really hard to then start thinking about predicting the future when you're like, man, I have a hard time explaining the past. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What do you think social media has for an effect on this right now? Social media has definitely seemed to uh, have a huge effect on fit fitness in general. I mean, yeah. that's one of the one of the big things that um, Instagram, in particular, with the focus on um, physical, uh, not physical. I'm sorry, but. Uh, um, photographs and kind of appearance has really brought a lot of attention, I think, to to a lot of different, um, not just strength sports, but also, you know, CrossFit and kind of related stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you're getting more people involved in the sport, um, which is awesome, um, and in the sports, um, which is awesome. But then you're also getting people who are really doing it um, because they feel they need to look a certain way or feel they need to meet a certain standard. And I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, so it's, it's kind of, you have to be a very, uh, mindful user of social media. I think if you want to get the most out of it, if you could, if you could change anything, uh, on the sport right now, what would it be? Um, I feel like there's, uh, with regard to social media, there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of egos that get wrapped up mm -hmm. in this stuff. And it's just, to me, it seems very detrimental. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the best things about powerlifting, which probably isn't unique to powerlifting, it's probably something I think that, um, you can see in a lot of smaller sports, but it's how supportive the culture is. I mean, um, I always think back to, I forget, I forget which meet it was, but, um, Ellis McLean was cheering on Lane Norton as Lane, Lane pulls his final deadlift. Arnold and, Jessica, like, yeah, yeah. and Ellis is going to lose if he makes this lift and he's cheering him on. Cause you know, he wants everybody to do better. And Ellis is an awesome guy. I love him. Oh, but yeah, yeah. That's really a big part of, what makes the sport the sport, how supportive everyone is. And so the more you get into this negativity, which to me seems to come out more on social media when people are feel like they're more anonymous, that seems to really take a lot away from it. You know, so that's what I You know what's funny on our end is what we find is uh, as we do more and more of these interviews is a humility. Like what we see, what people see. From the established their, guys from, like from, Ben and yeah, the champions. From, like LS, we had LS on last week. What yeah. you see through the Instagram, you see these guys, you see men and women, I mean, and sometimes you're just going by what you see. And then we get you guys on interviews and the humility is unbelievable it's, through through the different it's, lifters. It's usually... Like, if you're attacking people online, you're probably a little insecure. How many times we post, like we do, like, well, that's our basis is repost. How many times we post and people are going at some of these girls because, like, oh, bad form on deadlift. Dude, she's a world record breaker. Like, what are you talking about? Like, the arch bench just goes arch bench drive viral. No, it's, I posted for a comedy. But, like, yeah, like, people get so negative and picking people apart online. It's like, man, like... Are these people even competing? It's it's tough when you're like when you're especially with a deadlift. If you're going max load, sometimes the wheels fall off, man. Like you know Absolutely. what I mean? Like it is what it is, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think you know part of that reason is because if you're doing this to feed your ego or whatever, I don't think that's as much of a motivation thing as it is if you're doing it because you love it, right? Yeah, and that makes a big difference when when you come when it comes down to it to get in there day in and day out. You really enjoy it versus because you feel like you need to to yourself up or something well most of the keyboard heroes don't even have like you can't even see their stuff anyway so yeah. it doesn't really matter like, <laughs> no. that's, that those are the best ones that you see on there so 
Very true. Now, um, it turned, uh, just talking about back to the, the U.S. Open, uh, a couple of questions I would ask you there. Who are some of the guys? Uh, we had some of the guys who were going to be in the U.S. Open, like uh, Moreno, J um, John Hack. John Hack um, who are some of the guys that you're, you're kind of focusing on, you're anticipating a showdown with that you kind of keep your eye on? Um, so, you know, I'm really only looking at the 181s, even though I know it's like, for the, for the money, it's based on best lifter. So it's yeah. by... By Wilkes, but I'm I'm mostly looking at all the 181 guys and trying to um, you know just see where they're at at training more or less. Like you can never know what's going to happen the day of, which is Very the problem. True. Like training is so much different than a meet that you only get so much data. Um, and at the end of the day, you can only do your best no matter what. Um, and so I try to be aware of what other people are doing, kind of mostly so that I can pick my openers better. Because mm -hmm. uh, I think picking your openers kind of they're not important in terms of your total, but they're important in terms of setting you up for the day mentally. And so that's kind of um, the attitude that I try to take, more or less. Um, but, I mean, I like watching people lift. So um, I know uh, Anthony at the cage um, put up some crazy total in, like, 60 seconds or something. Because yeah. Rob Hill was there, too, and he did 2,000, I think, in 60 seconds. I, I forget what Anthony did. But, um, you know, he's a beast. Um, hack, definitely. Um and uh, shoot, I, I can't, I'm not good with names, so I don't, I don't really remember all the other guys. But um, it's gonna be exciting, and that's that's kind of the, the attitude that I try to have is that like just the fact that you're gonna be up there and have the chance is really cool. So well, it's it's truly the best of the best that are going out there. So that's what's interesting to see. And personally, I think I think some people it's gonna be there's gonna be some big ego well, ego misses and then there's gonna be some who he, I think who goes nine for nine wins this thing like, he, well you okay it's whenever it's super tight a race and this is gonna be super tight like sometimes if the if the field of depth in terms of competition isn't really thick you can have a runaway winner okay but when it's super tight like this is gonna be everybody's been invited um, you miss a third squat and you you have to go off your second squat towards your total It'll be one of those deals where, like, dude, you just, I don't know if you're going to be able to pull enough, like, whoever it is, right? Or if you miss your third dead, it's like, well, that's, I'm obviously your third dead, it's already over. But it's literally going to be, if you miss, if you misjudge, that's why, um, and with 40K on the table, it'll be, it'll be one of those deals, it'll be interesting to see, when it comes down to the deadlift event, the very last event, if people, like, I'm going for broke, going really heavy, or some people, like, you know what, I think some of these dudes are going to overshoot for that 40k, I'm going to try to beat your second. I think it's a game plan. The game plan, whoever has the best game plan going in is going to win this thing. Like and stays realistic. And stays to but the some game people, plan. Some like, people, day of, throw on f like 20 more k than they do in the gym. And it's those guys who are like, I know when I hit the platform, I lift way more. It's going to be harder for them to judge. Yeah. It's totally true. Totally true. And the other thing is, in the gym... Like there's no, there's not much downside to missing lift. You can just try it again. Yeah, you know, yeah. Versus everything's on the line. But at the same time, like it makes it so much more exciting. And I'm honestly, oh, yeah. I know Gracie had good reasons for switching the schedule around and everything, but I'm pretty disappointed that the lightweight guys are lifting on Sunday instead of Saturday. Because now I'm gonna have to be thinking about lifting on Saturday when all the heavyweight guys are going, instead of just chilling and enjoying watching them smash weight. So yeah. I, uh, catch the videos on YouTube or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very true. I mean, it's tough to miss. So, I mean, this is going to be everyone's because the situation is what it is. That kind of money on the table. When it comes to the deadlift event, everybody's going to be paying attention. Like, holy shit! Like, here we go. The the final, the third attempts in every weight class are going to be a phenomenal. Guys are going to pull, and it's going to be a scrap. And some guys are going to tap, shoot a little too high. Some guys are going to be like, you know what? I don't think he's got that in him. And if I try to chase that, that's chasing bad money. I'm going to try to go just below because I don't think he's got that in him. You can have a guy, you could coax a guy into chasing too high. Right? You can be. It's true. Um, so it's going to be interesting but, to see. How that's where we go back to having a good handler too. I mean, these Very are Very much. Like, like a lot of guys, well, not a lot of them, but some of them have their wives handling some of them. But I mean... When you have a, a caddy in golf, yeah. they do a lot of things to make you a better better at what you yeah. do. And having a handler that maybe writes down a false attempt, you know what I mean? And, and switch it. You and can switch it at your the last, last minute because yes, you do because it, it fucks with people. Because now you can it see you can people. see how many people and you know you can drop twenty kilos today. Like it's it's just it's it's going to be who's the smartest guy out there. 
yeah. man or woman. Like, yeah, yeah, for everybody so, all around. Honestly, it can work, you know, uh, kind of the other way around, too. I know at Boston Bosses, I was I was pretty nervous on my first squad. I wasn't really nervous until, you know, time to get out there on the platform. But I cut it high. And Jacob almost never, never calls uh, higher lifts after a miss, right? He always retakes the lift. And he's like, look, man, that was easy. You can do it. You're just nervous. And so he calls a higher weight, just a little bit higher, but to just show that, you know, he's confident in me and stuff. And that really helped. That made a, made a big difference. So, yeah, there's a lot you can do with calling your attempts in terms of, um, I don't want to use the word manipulating, but kind of um, setting either yourself up for a good day or setting somebody else up to miss. Yes, it's definitely a, you know, it's a big problem. It's interesting you say that. Like, if that, okay, that happened to boss of bosses, that's a fucking big meet. But let's say that happens to the U.S. Open, 40K on the table, and you're like, oh, shit. You know, it's one of those, like, it's just so much pressure cooker. It's such, it's well, such good team. Especially those second attempts. Like, those second attempts, you miss it on, on it, like, especially squat. You miss it on depth. Do you redo it or you, or are you or jump you, or are you, you jumping? Or do you, you know? tell yourself, look it, I redo this and everyone hits their third, I'm not gonna win anyways. So screw it. Let's let's act like I got it because if I don't get my third, I'm out of the race anyways. So what's the sense? You know, it's one of those deals where yeah. and your handler could if someone has a deal where they're making a little money off it, they'll be like, Yo, you're going for a third. <laughs> you're good, you're good, you can bail on the second, you're good. Get up, let's go, champ, right? So rhetorically, like, like that's a great, great question. I don't know the answer because it's going to be different in every situation. Yeah. For me, Jacob's making calls. I don't. I'm not going to think about it. And so my job is to make whatever he calls. And yeah. so to kind of deal with that type of situation, what I do, um, you know, a lot of people visualize their lifts and stuff to kind of help them uh, mentally prepare for a competition. Yeah. yeah I feel like visualizing your lifts um, makes it really difficult if that situation comes up because you visualize nailing your second. Right. All of a sudden, missed it. Like all this preparation you did is now worthless. I know. So and visualize how am I going to respond to adversity, right? If I miss the second lift because I cut it high, how am I going to calm myself down, stay in the moment, um, and be able to get it back together in time from to take a good third attempt? Have you been in that situation before? Like mentally, have you been in a situation A in that where you responded well, or one that you you didn't? You're like fudge, man. Like what happened? Oh uh, yeah. So um, shoot, the Arnold. I forget what year it was. It was. The only Arnold I did, I think it was 2013. Um, I'd, I'd been having trouble with some stuff outside the gym, and um, you know I had been mentally dealing with a lot of stress, and so I'd been working on just kind of trying to um, uh, not not get too wrapped up in anything. Mm. And but I hadn't really prepared for any type of adversity, right? I had been doing that kind of um, you know just don't don't stress about stuff. You know you're gonna have a great day. Just go yeah. out there and do it. And so I missed my opener. I forget what I forget what happened, but I missed my squat opener. Jeez. And man, I panicked. Jeez. I just absolutely panicked. And I was so like scared that now I'm gonna bomb out that I missed my second too. Oh and shit! No, no. Like oh god. So somehow I made my third. I still don't know how that happened. Um, did you move they, up and wait? Or what did you do they, there? Sorry to cut you off. I, did you move up no, and wait just for, or did you stay? No, no, no. Just retook it all three yeah, times. Yeah, Even yeah. though it's something like seventy-five pounds or something under what I wanted to hit. Yeah, just yeah, retook yeah. it. Um, but uh, and really, even though the rest of the meat was was pretty pretty good, it was fine. I think I went uh, five for six on bench and deadlift, but um, that had like that had fucked with my head so much yeah. that I just hated the breath. I was miserable the entire time. So Jeez. yeah, it's it's tough. And that's, that's yeah, I mean, to an extent, that's a kind of experience that you, you, you gotta feel it yourself. You can read articles about mental toughness preparing. That's the kind of shit that if you haven't lived it, like walking into a US Open, being like, I've been here before. If you do miss something, I've been here before. It's okay. You know, you didn't have you ever bombed out? I've never bombed out, no. Me neither. But me neither. <laughs> hey, there you go. It's, it's, I've heard an expression, um, you're not a powerlifter until you bomb out. Kelly Branton said that. I've been competing 10 years. I haven't bombed out yet. Now I'm like, watch, I fucking, I'm waterloading and I'm about to bomb out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Holman's like, I'm on that note, I got to go to Washington real quick. I'm waterloading for our Canadian Nationals. Randy's going to sit in my in, in daddy's seat for a minute. If you don't <laughs> mind, I'll be back in a sec. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good. So, uh, what would you what would you tell new lifters? What would your what would be your best advice you would give new lifters? I think that the secret when you're a new lifter is to find the balance between getting your the the getting your technique down and putting in the right amounts of effort. Because what I see 
a lot of times with new lifters, either they go balls to the wall from day one, they're just smashing weights, but they don't spend any time trying to refine their technique, and it just looks painful. And either either two two situations there, you could get injured, or you're just going to ingrain these poor habits so deeply that it's very difficult to um, fix them later on. That makes the sense. Side, the flip side is those people who get so obsessed with the technique that unless every rep is you know beyond textbook perfect, they're not going to increase the weight. They got to redo it until it looks like you know it could be art or something. And I think when you get that obsessed with it, you're not able to put in the right amount of effort to keep increasing the weights to keep gaining. Um, and so finding that balance is pretty difficult. I would say that if you're trying to look for it, you want to make sure that your technique is eighty percent, eighty percent there at least. If you're going to up the weight, if it's if it's something that's going to cause you to miss a lift of competition, obviously don't increase the weight. But if it's like more or less eighty percent there, then I think you're good to keep adding the weights. Otherwise, you got to refine your technique until you're you're getting pretty close, and then every day continue to refine that technique. So you're always searching for that hundred percent. You're just not letting it hold you back. Sometimes adding the weight helps you uh, figure out your breakdowns too. That's absolutely absolutely. So uh, what about uh... What was I going to ask you something else there? Um, you're, uh, for the new lifters and stuff, what about coaching? Who would you, uh, like, if you were going out to look for a new coach, who would it be that you pick for a new coach? Or who, who, how would you go about picking a new coach, I mean, to ask? So I think that um, online coaching is a little bit limited. And even, and this is like saying this is somebody who does online coaching. It's a little bit limited um, to people who need help with their programming because even with technique advice, you can only do so much through watching a few videos online, right? Um, and learning the gauge levels, level the level of effort that a lifter is putting into a into an individual workout that takes a long time. And so I think that um, if you can get in-person coaching, that makes a huge, huge difference and you should always favor that over um, online coaching. That said, you need to find somebody that you can trust 100% because if you're second-guessing them, if you're tweaking things a little bit and not telling them, all that type of stuff makes it impossible for them to do their job correctly. So really, you're looking for someone who you are confident in, that they have um, enough knowledge of the sport that they can help you, um, and that they're going to do things that are in your best interest. And I think those are the only two things that you really need to make sure – oh, and you can afford them, I guess. Those are the only things that you need to make sure that you have, you know, you know, can you can work with this coach and, and uh, benefit from it. That's a great answer. I'm gonna let Ryan sit back in the seat here. Okay, get up on my chair. <laughs> so, uh, so Ben, I looking over um, the survey you came back on, and we're gonna put that uh, your survey, the, those questions which are good, online um, on our website once we launch it. But one of the things I found interesting is in the future you'd like to try a couple new things. You remember what you'd said? Um, I want to say bodybuilding was on there. Uh, it was ballet, sir. I, I caught no. <laughs> no bodybuilding. You know, No bodybuilding, man. Which is not a major. Like they go hand in hand. Like my idol, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I freaking love Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he was he was a lot of people don't know. He's a, a powerlifting national champion in Germany, and um, and obviously a bodybuilder. Um, so, and anyone who sees you. You're bodied up. You look like you're stage ready, right flipping now. So, uh, yeah, what, what do you think in terms of the future? Do you have any plans for it? Or, whoa, 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 yeah. Why is that? So I definitely have plans for it. Um, I think the reason why is that um, I think that, like, I've been doing powerlifting for a while. Not a, not a long time compared to some of the other people out there, but long enough that I feel like I've um, gotten pretty close to accomplishing what I want. And in order to to move up, I need to move up weight class. Like, I don't think I can stay 181 forever. I'm just like, I'd be better at 198. Um, and I just don't have enough muscle for that yet. So I think bodybuilding, gaining some muscle, would definitely help my powerlifting. Mm -hmm. That aside, I think that bodybuilding, um, it's like, uh, Dave Tate has explained this a lot. It's very different than powerlifting, even though a lot of people think, well, you're just lifting weights in, in both cases. Mm -hmm. um, learning to activate and train specific muscles, especially the small muscles, is really, really difficult. And, you know, I, I like learning new things. I like uh, having new experiences. And so um, that's one way that I can uh, kind of get at that um, while continuing to push myself really hard um, mm -hmm. because I, I need a break from powerlifting. I've done a lot of meets. Um, you know, I had, 
had one plan for uh, February and had some personal stuff come up that I, I had to pass on it. But um, that would have been that would have made the U.S. Open like my fifth meet in six or seven months or something. So, uh, yeah, I think a little break, a long off season, gain some muscle, learn some new things about how to um, activate all my muscles to to the best of their ability. I think that could really benefit from me. And then I'm not gonna lie, like. We talked about the money. If you if you're talking money and strength sports, bodybuilding's where it's at. Hell um, yeah, man! And I have no idea if I can you know be successful enough in bodybuilding to win money actually competing. Yeah. But just in terms of getting more exposure, um, putting myself out there more, it's it's a faster way than than through well, uh, strength sports right now. There's no question um, whether or not you win any major tournaments. The actual exposure, like if you look at some of the body, like for us in powerlifting. You have like 50,000 followers on Instagram, pretty big. You have 100,000, you're one of the biggest names in the sport. You're in bodybuilding. Some of these guys have like half a million. It's crazy how million, much you Two million, some of them are huge. Million, two million, it's it's yeah. a huge. And you don't got to necessarily be IFBB pro. Not um, at all. And, and the doors that open up, if you build a following like that, I know like you're a well, well-written guy and you have a book. We're going to plug all that as well. But um, if ever any kind of merchandise or servicing went out, that's, if you want to make a living off this, you bodybuild. Well, you see, you see these bodybuilders. A lot of them are starting to incorporate a lot more of the powerlifting back into yeah. it again. Oh, yeah. And I mean, having that basis. powerlifting background, you being uh, being on the pro show and then showing big lifts, like yeah, you, you're golden on both both ends. Like, oh, the, the, the feather in the cap. Yeah. If you won the U.S. Open, would be nuts. Yeah. But you've already <laughs> uh, you, some of your goals. You said you wanted um, the all time total. Is that right? At one ninety eight. Uh, I would just like an all-time world record. Like I'd, I'd like to get one of those um, on the board. So um, one of the great things about the U.S. Open is I have a lot of chances for that. And the, the squat, deadlift, and total—you know—they're all possibilities. I don't, yeah. far guaranteed, but you know they're all numbers that I think on a perfect day I could hit. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, even if I don't walk away with the 40k, if I walk away with one of those records, I'll be pretty happy. Not so. like that. And I think there's also. Um, if you win your division, you, I think you get 5K. I might be off. But I think if you break a world record, you get even more. Really? I think so, I didn't yeah. Know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold Gracie to that, even though I... Because <laughs> I said, oh, shit. She's like, hey, big mouth, you owe Ben $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know who currently holds those records? Um, I know Ed Cohen has the deadlift record. And... Who's oh, he? Uh, is he a... Uh, who's that guy? I wonder <laughs> <laughs> kind of a big name, right? You're oh, chasing, not, not, not you're chasing greatness. Yeah, yeah. What I'm it, thinking about the total record. I know he's uh, he's not doing meets recently, um, and I should know his name. I'm just like I said, I'm not doing his name. Does Ed Cohen have one of the records though? Yeah, he has the all-time deadlift at 181. It's like 792 or something like that. So uh, how close do you think you are to that, dude? If you, you beat know, Ed Cohen's record, that's nuts. We got to have you back. I on know, I've hit 800 in a meet before at 198, um, and you know I've done it several times at the gym. Um, so it it just has to be a good day, right? Because again, the gym really doesn't mean anything. It's at the end of the day, you've squatted, you've deadlifted, you've traveled, yeah. you've got weight, you're tired. Like, can you put it all together on the platform? And so that's what it's going to come down to. If I have a perfect day, I think I can hit it for sure. If I don't have a perfect day, it's probably not going to be there. But um, that's what Jacob's for. I don't have to yeah, worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of looking at it for sure. And in terms of, uh, we're gonna give you time to like plug some of the stuff because you you have a book, you have an ebook, you have uh, do you have sponsors as well? You'd like to give a shout out to? Yeah, I would definitely like to thank Elite FTS uh, and Dave Tate for bringing me on board. Um, they're selling my new ebook. Um, it's called Think Strong. It's a pretty basic programming ebook, but it really covers all of my training philosophy that goes into my powerlifting stuff. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's on introductory sale right now. I don't know how much it is. It's like sixteen bucks or something, but. Um, Elite has been just incredible. The team environment, even though um, I've met very few of the people in person, like the team environment that they kind of cultivate through social media and that type of stuff, just incredible. Um, And so I'm really, really grateful to them for everything. Um, And then locally, um, Tammy Martinez um, has really helped me out a lot. Um, She works for Kinetics Body Science. Um, She does all of kind of like my massage therapy, all my rehab stuff, and she's made a huge difference in my ability to keep training hard and not get hurt. Um, and Big Tech's gym has, you know, been so super supportive of me um, and all my different stuff. They're going to help me out with the bodybuilding. Um, you know, they've been really great with the powerlifting, just even getting equipment when I needed it. Like, they just bought a new Texas squat bar because they're like, oh, Ben's going to need a squat bar for oh, me. Oh, shit. No kidding. That's and nice. I, 
really grateful to all of them for, for their help. And obviously, Jacob and Dominic, who I've, who I've already mentioned a times. And one last question before we let go, we ask everybody. Did you have a question? No, nope, that was a... Okay, uh, I know the question is going to be, how would you like to be remembered in, in terms of um, when you look back and you're retired? Um, I guess I would just like to be remembered, period. Um, as somebody that, you know, either did something um, important for the sport in any aspect, um, or somebody that helped out other people in the sport. Um, you know, I think being remembered is really cool. Like, it kind of makes you a part of history. And, mm. uh, you know, obviously history is what I'm studying. It's something important to me. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just being remembered itself, as long as it's for a good reason, I'd be happy with that. That sounds good. Okay, well, listen, Ben, um, thanks for coming on. I'd love to have you back, um, especially after the U.S. Open when you break that all-time record. And oh. uh, get that 40K. And um, as yeah, long as you're not too big for us, with that That's right. That's right. You, you, we have you on. You look like fucking Puff Daddy in the '90s, and have a fur coat and gold. I'll just see that one shirtless. That's right. Help us with the views, Ben. You're wearing a shirt for God's sake. <laughs> but I know. Thanks a lot, man. I mean, you're a great yeah. guest. Uh, very humble. Very nice guy. Yeah, super fun talking with y'all. I'd be happy to do it whenever y'all want. Just. Shoot me a message and we can get get back together. We'll do it again, buddy. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Thank you. Bye. Nice cat. Nice dude. So well spoken. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously he's going for his uh, doctrine. Is that how you say? It? Yeah, doctrine. But I mean, he's educated and stuff. But I just he's, he's just well spoken. Like, you know, as a sport, it was pretty neat. The he knows one, the shit, yeah. The one thing apart that he said for everyone else that he has does have that kinesiology, man. That's that's pretty awesome to be able to just work around those guys and say, look, these are some levers. If he's got some questions, he's, yeah. yeah, man. They, side by side. Hey, man, let me ask you something. You know, and he's uh, he seems like a student of the game. Obviously, he studies the history of strength, which is a flipping really cool university course. But then he's got these kinesiology students. He seems to know his, um, his shit in terms of like the 80s when we were on TV. I say we, like powerlifters were on TV. And freaking Budweiser but he said he's a fan, But he said he's a fan of history, right? So I yeah. guarantee a guy that's a fan of history, he knows more about this sport than a lot of people will yeah, ever yeah, know. Yeah. Like he's going to look back and... He'll know more than a lot of people that live through it. Like, yeah, just well, absolutely, because they're 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 dealing with their present in their life. But he'll know the big scope of it. It'd be like, I did. I honestly, I'm, I I knew we were on TV at one point. Um, I remember talking to uh, when we when I commentated for the IPF Worlds, um, and I did commentary with Kaz. If I'm just name dropping the shit out of us right now, but um, I and he was talking about it about like back in the '80s when they yeah. were, he was a powerlifter first. Kaz was before he went to strongman. And they were on TV. They were on like all that, and they, there was like major sponsors involved. You almost forget about that because there was like a almost like a dark period, and not you know. You say almost forgot. There's a lot of people that never knew. Yeah, no, for real. Um, unless yeah, for sure. And there's still some footage. I think Ed Cohen's time it was still on TV as well because I think some of the I think he talks about it sometimes in interviews, but. Um, if we could return to being on TV, that'd be amazing. But some of that stuff, when you start seeing the live streaming and, and stuff like that, because, I mean, when it was on TV, it depends on who picked it up. I mean, it could have yeah. been a local channel. It could have been whatever. I mean, it wasn't always the big names that picked it up. But the live streaming gives you access from anywhere in the world, which is kind of cool now. You don't well, have to be sitting in front of a TV. Time zone free. If you upload it on YouTube, it happens live in uh, North America. And, um, you know, you could be in Australia. And once it's on YouTube, you could watch it, whatever. So it's, it's kind of uh, it's archived. That way, if it's on YouTube and stuff, and like, yeah, you reach, like, it can stretch to you, not with the constraints of um, a TV slot is two hours. We've allotted you two hours. Oh, shit. Well, we can only have four or five guys. Yeah. We have to streamline. Maybe in the 80s, when there wasn't maybe as many competitors now, we're so deep in terms of women's, um, in terms of like masters, and like the people watch the juniors. It's hours for like two weeks straight, so it's, it's a little more difficult to slot it like that. So you could actually have on, on YouTube live stream, etc. I mean, you could go as long as you need to, as long as you want. Well, the thing is, I think eventually you're going to start seeing this getting broken down more, whether it's the juniors, the opens, the masters, or maybe juniors and, and masters get too together, big to otherwise. and the opens separate, you know? Because, yeah. it, I mean, the open range is, is 17 years. Like, it, that's mm -hmm. a lot of... Mm -hmm. And then you can have juniors and masters going in the open. Even more inflating it. Like the open is really where the big dogs play. You're a junior like hack and you think, I think I can win. And you'll go in even as a junior in the open. You're uh, like, we have tons of masters who are like, especially in the women's well, men's yeah. too, who are killing it as well. So yeah, I, uh, or I think at some point, and I like what the USAPL is doing with the prime time, where they're like, 
We're going to trim the fat. If you have X amount of Wilkes going in this, you make what we call prime time. So it moves quicker. And then people, they, they position it so it's in prime time viewing, like 6, 7 o'clock. Yeah. So everyone's going to be paying attention. I think that might help. We'll, uh, we're moving, right? We're, as a sport, we're kind of cultivating. How do we make this more entertaining? Well, they, they can do, I mean, live streaming is always going to be there. So it's easy for them to do now. If they start breaking it down a little bit, I think a lot of lifters only watch to watch certain lifters too. I mean, there's there's enthusiasts of the sport that'll yeah. watch the whole damn thing. But, but let's be honest, there's a lot of people that if you if you're an 83, a 93, a 105, you're probably watching those guys. Maybe the a group below, yeah. a group above. You may watch a junior, see who's yeah, up yeah. coming. You may watch the masters and that, but you're probably not watching another damn thing on there. Like or, yeah. or maybe a couple people you really want to see, like McRae yeah. or something like that. You know, but those are those are some of the yeah, things. Maybe maybe um, like for instance, invitationals where you completely trim the fat. Look, if you weren't invited, you're not showing up. And we just have the big names involved. And it's like it's like a UFC. It's like, look, it, it, you can be on the main card if you're a big enough name and you're going to put butts in seats or you're going to have people viewing. If not, you know, if it starts moving in terms of money, that's what happens. If it's in terms of qualification and we don't give a shit if you got a big name or not, that's what happens. It's well, just hit your numbers. Well, it'd be interesting as technology goes. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do, but what if what if you're able to sign in, say you want to watch a meet and you can, you can sign on your name and you just sign on the weight categories you want to see and it, like everyone has a smartphone cues you let you know your 83 is up yeah you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah. you're not sitting in front of the tv all day because i mean let's let's face it some of these things get stalled so bad it's like, a little much and it's a little bit long of a day and i'm a powerlifting enthusiast like we said and sometimes watching it by times dead rolls around you're starting to lose a little flavor for well, it well not only that i mean sometimes you just see some of the some of these meats get staggered so bad i mean like mm -hmm. three hours off where they're supposed to be and yeah, yeah 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 so. strict timelines very well it's set. it's pretty good though that he's going to uh if he does transition into the bodybuilding, I mean that guy is. Oh, it's gonna blow him up. That guy, but that guy aesthetically, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he's crazy. a dime piece. I wouldn't put him in the same room as my girl or my mother. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or you, for that matter. Probably not. Um, or I wouldn't even trust myself if I was drunk. Okay, let me. Let's. There we go. There we go. This is all this is. Anyways, um, we're gonna get going. Thanks for coming. Wow.